0: Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Amy, trailblazer and growth architect. Are you struggling with prospects and clients that are unreceptive to you and your value proposition, Well, you're in the right place. Our guest today, Tom Stanfill, is going to coach us on how to create receptivity. If you have a sales team and want to boost results, I want you to get to know Selling from the Heart. What's great about our sponsor, Selling from the Heart, is how it takes a different approach to driving sales. The goal, build trust quickly with clients and prospects through authenticity. The result, more effective prospecting, higher close rates, and more referrals. Best of all, the Selling from the Heart methodology works with your existing sales model. So to learn more, visit www.sellingfromtheheart.net and make sure to listen to me and my co-host, Larry Levine, each week on the Selling from the Heart podcast. Well, we're in for a treat today. Our guest is Tom Stanfill author of the incredible book Unreceptive. Right now, customers' willingness to work with sellers and evaluate their solutions has declined 120% in the last 3 years alone. The success rate in getting meetings with new prospects now less than 2%. In this environment, Tom believes the only way to guarantee success in sales is to acquire a new mindset and a new skill set so we can stop selling and start focusing on creating receptivity. Tom, welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Daryl. I was excited about this. I I've absolutely been reading
1: about you, looking at your website, the kind of content that you publish and produce is very exciting. And you're a trailblazer and a growth architect. <laughs> I love right. hanging out with trailblazers. <laughs> And well, and uh, you or, can't
0: do anything in sales or marketing or leadership for that matter. And we've got sales and marketing leaders listening to this podcast. You can't do anything unless you have receptivity. But those stats, yeah. that's pretty dismal. Down 128% in the last three years alone. That
1: that's a, Yeah, that study, uh, that those numbers came from a study that was conducted by McKinsey. And that actually shocked me. Um, it's also those numbers are related to customers who are in the process of evaluating a solution oh wow so it's not just uh, unreceptive to talking to a rep they're so in the process calls or yeah they're in, they're in the, the process of the evaluating the yeah,
0: process exactly
1: it just I think I think a lot of it has to do with the amount of information available to the customer not only that only diminishes the need for the, the mind of the customer diminishes the mm-hmm. need for a sales rep, but it also creates so much noise in the market that it's just, they're just overwhelmed. People are just overwhelmed. And so they yeah. don't want to talk to another person. I mean, you'll see the companies that we work with Annie internally, uh, you know, customers will download information, say they want to talk to somebody, but it's even difficult to get them to right. have a meeting because they're just, they're over. They may not know what they downloaded. They just sort of get too many emails. Uh, I read a, a, a an article by somebody uh, on LinkedIn the other day that said they got back from vacation and they had 4,000
0: emails in their inbox. I'm like, that's just crazy. Yeah. John, for our, one of our former guests, CEO of yeah. Nimble, says my email inbox is a slaughterhouse. But you know, this is this is the challenge right now. And, mm-hmm. and I was actually talking recently with Brent Adamson, and we all know Brent from the Challenger yeah. sale. Um, and his article that he published in Harvard Business Review earlier this year is... <laughs> The data shows, like we're talking about, buyers are overwhelmed. Yeah, Uh, There is so much information. And the problem is, not only is there so much information, a lot of it's good information. Oh, yeah. Right? It's not just bad stuff. And so now, you know, you're faced as a seller with you got this overwhelmed buyer with lots of pressure, lots of things competing for their attention, right? What do you do to create receptivity in that highly resistant environment? Well,
1: it, it, it boils down to really three Ps that we talk about in the book, but um, is is priority, pressure, and point of view. That's All right. And I want I want to back up and 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 kind of set the stage for why we need to shift because I think it's really important for people to mm-hmm. understand that every time you're talking to a customer, they're in one of two zones. They're either emotionally open, because this is kind of mm-hmm. what we're talking about when we talk about receptivity, they're they're emotionally open or receptive. Or they're emotionally closed or unreceptive. Right, right. They're always in one of those two zones. And so, what, what we've been talking about is the number of people that are re- that are open or receptive is in steep decline. The number of people that are unreceptive is growing rapidly. And I think I think it's well over eighty percent of the people are unreceptive. And wow. when you try to sell somebody or you try to influence, whether you're talking to them personally, or it's in a business situation. When you try to talk to somebody that's emotionally unreceptive or emotionally closed, whether it's the subjects are closed or the doors closed, the more you try to sell them, the more closed they become.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think about that. So if you sell, you lose, if you don't sell, you lose. And so it, it's like, what do we do? Which is what right. you're asking. What do we do? Yeah. Um, and there's five main barriers that a seller will face what I call the receptivity barriers that a seller will face, or anybody will face, mm-hmm. when they're trying to influence or persuade somebody. Uh, and so, really, um, like we talked about, there's a mindset, there's a skill set that need to learn. But it, a lot of it falls under these three P's: it's pr- pressure, priority, and point of view. Okay. Like, like the customer, <laughs> because we got to remember, they're not rejecting a solution; they're rejecting a sales call. Hmm. So we think our, our instincts is, which is sort of what I call the traditional approach is to take them to court, make our case, come up with a real logical argument. And then if we make the best argument, we're going to win, which right. does not work on my wife. And-
0: <laughs> Some receptivity you. issues, huh, Tom? Yeah. yeah, I go. Well, I
1: thought, you know, you know, I thought when I got married, I'm like, you know, she'd say something. I go, you know, I bring out the flip chart. Let me make my three points, and I can prove to you that I'm right. And let's make an argument, and then the judge is going to rule, and they're going to say, well, who's right? And you know, that's not how it works, and that's not how it works in business. We think it's how it works, but it doesn't. Right. And, and right. so. We, we are facing these people that are, you know, emotionally closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and priority has to do with who's the priority, you know, who yeah. who's the hero of the story. Um, and we've and that's a thing that kind of seems like, okay, we, that's an easy thing to talk about. And everybody goes, well, of course, the customer, we need to be customer centric, but actually we really are the hero of the story. The, the gravitational pull to self is so strong that we have to stop. And this is part of the mindset. We have to stop and make a decision to decide that the customer is the priority. They are first. And if we don't, the gravitational pull to self is so strong uh, and that we, we will ultimately reveal that our motive is self-centered. Yeah. And so we talk about in the book, you know, how do we, how do we become other centered? How do we make the decision? What's the process that we can, we can um, embrace that will ultimately serve the customer and demonstrate that they are the priority. Um, and the other, the other two Ps are pressure. How do we eliminate pressure from the process? And we teach a concept called drop the rope, that there's a tug of war that exists where we always are trying to pull the customer, because of our role, try to pull them in our our, um, our direction. And so we've got to drop the rope and, and eliminate pressure. And so we eliminate the tug of war. And there's ways to do that. Uh, and then I'll stop here. A second after I saw the last P, and then you, we can dive in whatever direction you want to go into. The last one is point of view. Can we? We need to validate their point of view. What's what is on their whiteboard? What's important to them? Uh, and also, not only having that information informs us on how to position our recommendation or how to mm-hmm. position a meeting, but it also creates the receptivity that that we need to create so that they'll listen to our point of view. So what happens when we? validate their point of view it's more than just capturing information it's also creating a bridge and creating a foundation to be heard Absolutely. so those are the three big p's but we go into how to apply that in each one of the five barriers
0: i think that's that's fantastic and that that first step of just being able to pause and say another p pause um, yeah, and yeah, hey, like, who's the hero of the story? Because everyone's corporate brochure and everybody's sales pitch says we're customer centric, you know, right. we're we have customer vision, we're you know, and all of that. Everyone says that, but how do you, you know, how, coaches? How do you enter that space? Like, how do you? Because look, I, you know I'm a sales professional. I'm concerned about hitting quota. I've right. got you know a family to feed. I've got goals. Um, all that stuff, you know, is re- real and can be top of mind. How do you flip the switch to be able to? Walk <clears throat> in well, intent?
1: the first thing that I tell myself, and is also talked about this book, is that motive is ultimately transparent you have 43 muscles in your face. (laughs) And I don't know how many tones of voices. I can't remember. I did studies on that. (laughs) So your, your facial expressions, your tone of voice will reveal ultimately, or, and what you ultimately will do, your, your filter will break down and you are going to reveal somewhere in the process that your motive is self-centered unless you stop and reset your, what I call reset your compass mm-hmm. because our compass, you know, compass works by always pointing North. Like we know the strongest magnetic field is in the North pole, right? So by mm-hmm. that's the pole, right? Yeah. So the compass works by knowing where the North pole is. Mm-hmm. We are strongest magnetic field is to south, And so we have to stop and make a decision to reset our compass and say, okay, and this is the other thing I tell myself is motive is transparent. So the customer customers ultimately going to know, which leads to the second point, which is if I choose to make the customer the hero of the story, I'm going to be more successful. Right. I'm going to, they're going to listen to me. I'm going to be, I'm going to be communicate things that are going to make sense to them. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to come up with a process that helps them make the best decision. I'm going to introduce myself in a way that's relevant to what's on their whiteboard. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be curious and try to figure out what's best for them rather than pushing a. Pro- so all these things will happen uh, if I'm other centered, and what's what we call making the customer the hero of the story is really, we just talk about being other centered versus self-centered. So I think that's what you have to do. You have to understand that you're going to be more successful if you put the customer first. The other thing that you need to do is, or or, or I guess a tactical thing we talk about in being other centered mm-hmm. is meeting the customer's greatest need. The customer's greatest need is not their business need. It's their emotional needs and other centered people move beyond the stated need and dive deeper into unstated needs and unstated emotional needs. And when you start to meet meet the customer's unstated needs, which is really to be loved, accepted, and valued, yeah uh, then they're they're gonna listen to you and they're gonna they're gonna build a relationship and um and and they're going to follow you and they're gonna tell you things they don't tell other people. Um because emotion people make emotional decisions and support them with intellectual alibis. It's not just making logical decisions. So You know, being other centered and putting the customer first is very practical and ultimately is going to help you get more meetings and win more deals.
0: I think you bring up a really good point, though, about Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking now about the difference between marketing and sales. And, and, you know, we, we had a great conversation on the podcast. Um, several episodes back with JJ Peterson, the co-host of Story Brand, Love Story oh, yeah. and you know, you're the the clients, the hero, the prospects, the hero, you're the guy. Right. I get all that you can market to that and do a great job marketing that. But when you get face to face as a sales professional, your face will betray you, right? You can't, you cannot. Right fake your way um through that and that's you know by, by podcast co-host and selling from the heart larry levine would say your authentic self sells you right and if that authentic self is self-centered right it's gonna sell you in the way you don't want to so i think you're a really really good point in terms of like your intentions will betray you um But also that flip side of realizing, hey, the best way to actually hit your goal is to put the other person first, be the guide, and have a good good heart around that. So that brings us to the second point. I love this whole analogy of dropping the rope. Why are we in a tug of war with our prospects?
1: I think it's because they they believe, and they've been trained by working with sales reps, which I've been trained too when I'm working Mm -hmm. with a sales rep, is they're going to try to pull you to their position. You know, I was walking into Best Buy about three years ago before the book came out. And I used this, uh, I told this story in the book and I'm, I'm looking for a television. I don't know much about television. I'm not a, a, you know, an IT expert or Mm -hmm. a a video expert. I don't know. I don't know anything. I just, it's time for a new television. And, you know, I don't have a clue really what's going on. I'm going into Best Buy and I I don't know what I need. I walk over to the huge display, all of the televisions spread across. There's like, yeah, I don't know. There's 20, <laughs> 30, 40 different sizes. I don't have a clue. All different prices. And, and I need help. So right. I'm trying to figure this out. Sales rep walks up to me. says, can I help you? And you know what I said. No, I'm just i am no, just said, <laughs> right. no, I've asked that question. I can't tell you in the number of comp- countries I've asked that question. Right. And, and, and reps will all say the same thing. I'm just looking. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just looking. And why did I say that? Because I feel like there's going to, he's going to be trying to pull me to a TV where he's going to get a spiff or he's going to try to sell me something. That's not going yes. to be experienced. There's a tug of war. And so yeah. I said, I just looking. And he says to me, he drops the rope. He says to me, Hey, listen, I'm not on commission. If you need help, I'm happy to help you. I'll be right over there. And he basically eliminated tension. And I said, "Wait, <laughs> I need help." No, and then I, I said, "Come right, here." Right. And then I started. And I just started asking bunch of <laughs> What question. do we do now? now the, the, what we need to do in sales is the same thing. We need to eliminate the tension. Mm. Um, and and it really comes from a psychological uh, principle. It's called the reactance. Uh, the, theory i think is what the name for it is is that when people when we when we someone tells us not to do something we want to do it or when someone tries to right. control us we want to be in control we want to have the freedom of choice and we feel right. like we're losing it when somebody says put your seatbelt on our in reaction is, I'm not going to wear my seatbelt even though we know right. we know we should wear a seatbelt but Good when idea. someone says stand you want to sit it's just a it's a it's a human it's a human principle and so when we feel like our, our, our people are going to push us to do something, whether it's a waiter telling us we need to order something, we resist that. So uh, what we need to do is, is what I, the simplest way is to, is to think about the customer has four main options, you know, not to buy, buy partial, buy total solution, b- work for somebody, or buy the competitor's solution. And what we need to be, we need to make them feel super comfortable that we are going to put all options on the table, and explore all those options with them. And if we do, they're going to be much more likely to embrace our recommendation if we just keep pushing one option, which is we want you to buy the total solution and we want you to buy it from us. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be able to stand beside them and look at all those options and say, hey, let's talk about this and, and, and genuinely mean that. And what that means is that most likely we're going to trade the illusion of control, which we don't have right, for right. the option of influence. Yeah, that's all we want. We want the opportunity to
0: influence beautiful trade, the illusion of control for the opportunity of influence. I think that is, that's such a beautiful line Mm -hmm. and well said. Um, And, and so this tug of war, I mean, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. If someone tells me to sit, I want to stand. Someone tells me to keep my seatbelt on until the plane gets to the gate. I want to take it off. Right. I'm trapped. It's, it's that reaction. The whole mask. You've got to wear a mask. Oh wow. Yeah. You know, I don't want to wear a mask now, right now. Yeah. So all of the resistance and so creating that is so powerful. And I love, you know, going back, we talked about Brent Adamson earlier in the sense making Mm -hmm. um, concept is saying, you know, let's, let's figure out how to get on the other side of the table alongside the (laughs) decision-maker and and help them make sense out of the 32 TVs that are on the wall help them make sense of the four options. They have, um, you know, and and that, yeah, that getting that resistance down by dropping the rope. What are some other stories about how how you've dropped or salespeople yeah, have great. dropped the rope? I'm curious. How this well, the,
1: I want to. I'll use a personal example because it's it's probably it's scary. And by the way, I want to say, unlike the Best Buy situation where the the rep was walking away, we need to make the customer feel that way, but not leave. And sometimes people hear me talk about drop the rope, and they're like, you know, hey, hey, if you need us, let us know, and they walk away. That's not right. drop the rope. Drop the rope is eliminating pressure mm. from difficult conversations, like the customer mm. saying things like uh you know we really like your competitor right dropping the rope is okay well i understand that i've heard good things about him tell me about that it's not like okay thanks bye call me if you need me
0: yeah or they're dirt bags what yeah you're right well, that's, the other that's, that's pulling the rope you
1: shouldn't have right. chose them right but how do we drop the rope and continue the conversation versus mm. drop the rope and exit the conversation oh, good. but like i'll give you an example from a personal situation it's like when my daughter first started dating you know, and she, you know, her first real boyfriend. You know, "quote unquote," she fell in love, and I'd heard some things from her brothers. And this was, I mean, my daughter's thirty-five now, so this is, you know, it's not a, it's not a old news. Yeah, this is old <laughs> news. So I could tell this story, right? <laughs> um, but you know, this is this is when she's starting to, you know, she's dating. She's, I think, she's sixteen and her brother is telling me stories cuz she he played football with the guy and she, he's telling me things about the guy she's dating and I'm not really that crazy about him yikes right so i, I you know i want to go in her room and say talk to, him or talk to her about philip i'd say hey so so tell me about this guy you know and she could tells her defenses are up she's <laughs> like here comes dad to tell me who i can and can't date and what i can <laughs> right. and can't do she feels that tug of war mm-hmm. parent child tug of war mm-hmm. seller customer tug of war so i started the conversation off and i said hey I want you to know you can date whoever you want. And I just paused. I said, as long as you abide by the rules of the household and you know, you're know you not in danger, you, I can't stop you from dating. You're at an age that you can, I can't stop you from who you're going to hang out with. I just can't control you. And so I'm not going to try. What I care about, this is the other centerpiece. What I care is I just want you to be happy and I don't want you to get hurt. I said, so I'd love to learn more about the guy you're dating and tell me about that. And so we just started having conversations and I started walking with her, but it was like, I will tell you who you will date and you, what you will and won't do. Right. My grandmother told my parents that and they eloped. Yep. My grandmother went to my, my grandmother told my mother, you will not date. His, my dad's name is Tom Stanfill as well. Right. <laughs> you will not date Tom Stanfill. And they said, well, you know what? Okay. We're going to go get married. Yep. And I have tons of business examples and sales examples, but (laughs) ultimately it's, you know, I remember meeting early in Aslan, uh, early days of Aslan and meeting with our first really major Fortune 500 client. And I was meeting with uh, the head of a division where we were doing a little pilot program and um, it was FedEx. And the guy said, hey, listen, we're not really interested in your training program. We get free training uh, from corporate and it's one of your, it's one of the biggest companies in the industry. And so we probably don't need it. And he was kind of, you could tell he was closed. Right. And I said, I said, listen, if you get free training from X, Y, Z company, you probably the last thing you need is to work with us. And he's, you could tell he's like, he starts moving from moving away to moving in. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And yeah, we, you know, we, I don't know if I'm really that crazy about it, but You know, it's free. And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, but you've got an inside sales organization. And if they can address the 18 unique challenges of selling over the phone, then you definitely should work with them. And you shouldn't work with Aslan because it's free and and they're a good company and they've done a lot of great things. And he he said, wait a minute, what do you mean the 18 unique challenges? So we started unpacking that. I said, I don't know their program. Do they address these? And he could tell I was creating the space for him to assess that. And we were figuring this out together versus, well, they're wrong and you need to work with us. And here's why. Yes. Yeah. Which goes back to my motive is my motive to win that opportunity, which I want to win the opportunity. Of course. But either I'm either it's about me winning or it's about helping him solve his problem. And if I choose to help him solve his problem, I'm going to work. I'm going to win more deals.
0: <laughs> absolutely love it. I love it. I'm thinking I'm having flashbacks now to different sales situations mm-hmm. where I've dropped the rope and some and others where I've held onto the rope and somewhere I've yanked on the rope. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, those, those don't end well um, because we dig our heels in. And I think this is super, super powerful. Yeah. Well, the third point, coach us on the third point in the remaining minutes we have together because this is such gold. And by the way, everyone listening in, if you haven't already hit pause and gone to buy Unreceptive on Amazon or wherever you buy books, you need to get this book. This is fantastic stuff, Tom. So coach us Thanks, on the third, uh, third point. Point of view. Yeah. Point of view. I am going to talk
1: about point of view in two ways. One, w- when you, when you want to get a meeting, the most important th- Think you you do most important strategy of getting a meaning is developing your position. Another way to say your position is answering the question, the central question: Why should I meet with you? Mm-hmm. That's really what the customer: Why should I meet with you? So your position is answering that question, and there's three there's three elements of it: It's captivate, elevate, and separate. So if you if you capt, first thing you got to do is capture their attention. And you capture their attention by talking about their point of view. In other words, and another way to say their point of view is what's on their whiteboard. Mm-hmm. That's their point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like if you if you think about they're sitting in an office, and their their whiteboard is what they care about. Their point of view. Right. I've got right. mine right over
0: there, I'm looking at it. Yeah, yeah. It's like my well,
1: mine's right over there, and I have what I care about is on. That's my, right. That's my yeah, point of view. That's, why, that's the way I see the world. And I define the point of view as basically that's something I want. Everybody mm-hmm. wants something. Mm-hmm. and it's their plan to get there,
0: hmm.
1: right? And so that's just, it's really simple. I want something, whether they have it on their whiteboard or it's, it's, it's actually in, just in their head. If you can picture their whiteboard, and what does it say? That's how you capture their attention. Nice. Uh, another It's their point of view. Another way to say that is if I show you a picture of you, you will always look at it 100% of the time. And so what we do is when we prospect, we try to show pictures of ourselves, let me show you a picture of me no one cares about a picture of you i mean when people reach out to me on linkedin when people send me emails i get hundreds of them every week they talk about themselves and this goes back to if the customer is really the hero of the story you need to know what's on their whiteboard their point of view so that's the first thing it helps you get meetings by articulating their point of view um and then the other thing is that when you finally do meet with them the first thing you want to do is validate their point of view so you have a point of view and they have a point of view i think about it there's there's sort of two polarized points of view you're on the north pole and you see your view point of view is is completely different than than the customer who's on the south pole and that's their point of view so i need to take the trip and go down and see their point of view what's important to them what do they care about what are their pain um, what is on their whiteboard? What's their plan to get there? Who else are they talking to? How are they making the decision? And I need to validate. So, because when I do that, there's two things happen. One, there's an emotional connection that happens when I take the trip, see their point of view, feed it back to them, and they say exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, it's a critical element of receptivity is when I can understand them, listen to them, feed it back to them. And then the other thing is I can then share the other thing that happens when I take the trip is I now have information that I need to determine what's the best recommendation I can make, what's important to them. So it's information that I need to be able to make the right recommendation. So just, it's a,
0: a a long answer to your question, but there's a lot packed into that point of view. I love it. So practical. And, and this, this discussion we're having today is, is, extremely timely. Cause I, you know, I've, I've heard it said we live in a post trust society. People yeah. are very skeptical, mm-hmm. less receptive than ever. And as we can develop the skills you're talking about today, and as we can help our sales teams develop those skills and leaders, uh, this goes for us too. Cause if you're in leadership, you're selling a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this, this conversation thread is extremely powerful. And Tom, I, I just want to say number one, um, thank you for sharing all of this with us today because this is is the type of podcast you want to rewind and take some notes and second of all i want to say thank you for writing the book because taking the time to put all this in a book i know that was a lot of work on your part it's a huge gift to the world tell us how can we get the book and some of the resources you put together
1: well, thank you, Daryl. I appreciate you saying that. It was it was a labor of love, but it was a labor. <laughs> it was labor. I know that. Yeah, it was a labor, uh, but yeah, I, I do believe uh, in these in these concepts because I've seen it work in raising four children and my marriage, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and the, the hundreds of thousands of, of of sellers we've trained and leaders we've trained over the years. Uh, it really does work because we're the number of the percentage of people that are, that are open to talking to a seller just continues to shrink. Yeah. Um, so more information about the book, you can go to unreceptivebook.com and that's going to provide some videos about the book. You also can download an excerpt. If you're not sure that's something you want to invest in at this point, uh, also check out aslantraining.com. Uh, that's where so you can learn more about the services we offer. To corporations
0: and uh, the training that we provide, so that's probably. Awesome.
1: Or, and I love you to connect with you on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I love well, that. we'll put all that in Check the show notes. There. And Tom, once again, thank you on behalf of the Revenue Growth audience. This has just been phenomenal, and uh, we're cheering you on. I want to say I'm receptive to what you're doing, so you. <laughs> thank be over. you, dear. I appreciate, I appreciate it. you, man. And thank you to everybody in the revenue growth podcast audience thank you for liking sharing subscribing and most of all those of you who have left reviews for the podcast it helps us spread the word and that allows us uh, to continue to get the incredible guests that we have we've got a great roster of folks coming on the rest of the summer so make sure to tune in our goal is to provide practical ideas that help you accelerate your revenue growth so whether you're in sales whether you're in marketing whether you lead a company our uh, hope is that we've brought ideas today that are going to that you're going to be receptive to. And by the way, if you haven't bought unreceptive yet, go buy this book right now. I think you're absolutely going to appreciate it after listening to Tom, what Tom had to say. In fact, you probably are going to want to uh, get a copy for everybody on your sales team. That's unreceptive. Grab your copy right now, go to Tom's website. We've got great summer of guests ahead. Uh, thank you to everybody who's out there driving uh, for revenue growth right now. And until next time, let's get going and let's get growing. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word "revenue" to twenty-one thousand, or go to revenuegrowthengine.com/book you'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word REVENUE to 21000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together, we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.